chapter 18, we'll be looking at verses 23 through 30, or excuse me, 23 through 38, 28. Just to set this in context, the Apostle Paul had been in Corinth for about 18 months. At the beginning of our text, our reading, Paul has already left Corinth for the region of Syria. Priscilla and Aquila, some friends of his, went with him, and they had ended up at Ephesus. Ephesus. While Priscilla and Aquila stayed at Ephesus, the Apostle Paul journeyed on to Caesarea and then went up to Jerusalem and he returned to Antioch. Verse 23 of our text. Now Paul, after spending some time there, departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross into Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who, through grace, had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. This morning we want to talk a little bit about discipleship. What's going on in this text? Why is it important to us? Allow me to pray. Lord, we ask your blessing upon reading this word, and we ask for your wisdom and guidance as we move through it. Let us see your hand at work whenever there is discipleship going on. Let us see your word teaching and instructing those. Let us see your spirit guiding and moving your faithful children to a closer, more faithful fellowship with you. Let us always be aware that your hand is at work in our lives, we who believe and trust in the Lord as our Savior. We ask these things in his name. Amen. We very often consider the Apostle Paul as an evangelist, and indeed he was. But we also recognize that his journeys, there are three journeys that are recorded in the book of Acts, and they're all called missionary journeys. He's out doing some, not just evangelism, but church planting. Paul the evangelist and Paul the disciple, or Paul the missionary and Paul the discipler. We have seen Paul discipled several people throughout his journey, but if you paid attention to the reading this morning, Paul does not disciple Apollos. So we want to look at where does this man come from? Who is he? What is he about? Acts 20, 18, verse 23, 
Now Paul, after spending some time there, departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Strengthening all the disciples. He's begun his third missionary journey, and he's going back to places he's already been, and he's discipling the people. What little they've already been given about the gospel, what little they've already been received, he's, he's going back for a question and answer time. He's going back to teach them deeper truths about Scripture, deeper truths about the Lord and Savior, deeper truths about God, making them stronger in their faith. So in our text this morning, the Apostle Paul is away, no longer present, and Luke introduces us to something else. But one thing I want to remind you that we need to be very aware of as Christians, and here's a quote from John Piper that I would agree with. I heard him make this several years ago. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. We who belong to God, we who have been saved by him, are told to go into the world by the Lord himself and make disciples. We are to bring them into the church in order that all of us together might worship God. Because worshiping God outside of the church does not exist, we are to bring them into the church. We are to bring them to salvation in order that they might worship God. The worship of missions, the work, work, excuse me, the work of missions and the work of missionaries blends the gospel message with discipleship. The two go hand in hand. Mission tells the world, this is why we should love God, because the Bible says we loved him because he loved us first. He gave his only begotten son so that we might be saved. And then discipleship teaches the world, once they received him, this is how we are to love God. Missions tells us why we should worship God. Discipleship tells us how we are to love God. Very familiar with the Great Commission. I just made reference to it briefly. Go therefore, the Lord Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That word, make disciples, in the Greek is matateo, which literally means to produce disciples. There's some work that goes into making disciples. There is some instruction. There is some light shone. There's, there's some teaching. There's some direction. Make disciples. I'm making a distinction between that because... A few words later, make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. There's a difference between discipling and teaching. Teaching is didactic. Teaching is literally discussing, asking and getting answers, asking questions and getting answers. Discipleship is, is part of discipleship. Discipleship is producing disciples, making sure the people who have come to the Lord learn about him and learn about 
his way, his word, and his truth. But you and I, brother and sister, need to understand that there needs to be passion for this. There needs to be a desire to do this. To be disciples of the Lord Jesus means that we need to get involved. John Piper also once said, There will be no passion to draw others into the, our worship where there is no passion for worship. People must see a desire in your life, a love for the Lord in your life, if they are going to be drawn to the Lord. The psalmist said in Psalm 5, verse 7, I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in reverence of you. The psalmist wrote, Lord, through the abundance of your steadfast love for me, this sinner, I will enter your house. I will worship you. I will bow down toward your holy temple in reverence. So Paul is away discipling. He is teaching others. He is strengthening those who he has shared the gospel with before. He is going back to the churches to help equip them, to encourage them to strengthen them in the faith. We need to realize that discipleship for the, for the Christian is not an option. And I know that sometimes whenever we talk about such, some of the vocabulary we use in Christianity, we develop a callous over our mind and our heart where it doesn't really mean much anymore. To say that discipleship is not an option is kind of like this argument 20 or 30 years ago, it's, it's still around, but it was quite prevalent 20 or 30 years ago. There was this argument in Christianity. I've made the Lord my Savior, but not, not, I've made Jesus my Savior, but I've not really made him my Lord yet. There were many who would disagree with that. If he is your Savior, you need to realize he is your Lord. He is your King. He is the ruler of your life. You need to obey him. That's part of discipleship. And when we connect discipleship with the lordship of Christ, it kind of builds a callous over our hearts sometimes. It's not very important to us. Because we live our lives, we got into this habit of living our lives in the daily mundane not really realizing that he is always there. He is always present. And he desires to work in your life to build in you a strong faith and trust for him. So to say discipleship is not an option might not make as much of have much effect on you, what if I were to say that obedience is not an option? That might bear a little bit more weight. We all know that we're supposed to obey. We're, we're taught as children to obey our parents. 
We're taught in church to obey the Lord and his law. And we know that we should obey God in all things. You may think it's an option, but if you choose the option of disobedience, then you must be willing to suffer the consequences. We who claim Christ as Savior are always being discipled. We may not be aware of it. We'll look into that in just a moment. We who claim Christ as Savior are always being discipled. When are we ever discipled? Where are we ever discipled? When does it begin and does it ever end? How should we exercise our obedience or how should we exercise our discipleship? And should we make disciples of others? There's a few things we'd like to look at this morning. But first, let me introduce to you Apollos. Verse 24 of our text. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came, Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. As we've seen, Paul leaves the scene, or Paul leaves the story, and Luke presents to us Apollos. Who is he? Why is he mentioned? I believe Luke, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is wanting to teach us something here. He's wanting to tell us something here that the true disciple-maker is always our Lord. It's always the Holy Spirit. It is always God. And we need to be aware of that. And God in his providence had been preparing Apollos. Even Apollos may not have noticed. I remember, I'm going to illustrate something here and use it. So you might, let, you might think I'm wandering away, but here's an illustration. I remember as a young man on a vacation in the North Carolina mountains, I took the opportunity to go tubing on a river. Rented this great big tube and put in it, I don't even, it's been so long ago, I, I think it may have been the new river. Climbed into this thing and just floated down the river. The memory of that is still quite pleasant, even though I've forgotten all about the sunburn. But I was on the water for about two hours, just floating along, relaxed, peaceful, quiet, very calm flow, no rapids, just calm floating down the river. A lot of fun, stress reliever. Not long after we were married, my wife had the opportunity to go on a youth group trip as a chaperone, and she took advantage of a rafting trip. I believe she told me it was a class three rapids. And I thought, this petite little woman who fusses at me when I go too fast in traffic was willing to go down a raging river on a raft. 
Surprisingly, she was ex she loved it. She just couldn't stop talking about it. Tubing, peaceful, relaxing, no threat, no danger. Rafting, it's fast, it's challenging, exciting, it's risky. Please notice that both instances, you instances you were being carried along by the water on a river or on a course that has been predetermined. You can't change the route at all. You're going wherever the water takes you. We who claim Christ as Savior are always being discipled. Usually we really don't notice this. Like our Christian life is like tubing on a calm river. Not much happens. And if you do it every day, it could get boring. And you run out of sunscreen. But you are still carried along by the water of the Spirit in your life. The Lord said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Even in the Great Commission, he said, I am with you even until the end of the age. We are always being discipled. We may not know what's around the bend, but God does, and you are being discipled. You are being prepared for whatever comes. Just like Apollos. Let's look more closely at him for a moment. A Jew named Apollos, and put on your Sherlock Holmes hat. Okay, Luke tells us he was a Jew. And Apollos is not a Hebrew name, it's a Greek name. Okay, he's Jewish. So we know that he's been raised... Knowing the Old Testament scriptures, knowing the laws of Moses. Verse 25 says he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. The only word they had back then was the Old Testament. And whenever it says that he was instructed in the way of the Lord, it meant that he was being taught about the coming Messiah, the Redeemer. And in our text, the original language in the Greek, he had been instructed. That word is literally the word we get catechize from. We've mentioned this passage before, Deuteronomy 6. And it's, it is steeped in faithful Hebrew culture, faithful Hebrew teaching. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall, you shall teach them all diligently to your children. And you shall talk with them when you sit in your houses and when you walk in, by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise up. This text in Deuteronomy 6 talks about catechizing your children. Make sure they know the word of the Lord. Teach them always about that. Disciple your families. So when Luke says that Apollos was a Jew, he is telling us 
this guy's been raised knowing the law of Moses, knowing the words of the prophets, knowing the teaching of the coming Messiah. By God's providence and for God's purpose, Apollos was being prepared. He was being discipled by God. As he learned the knowledge of the Lord through Scripture, he had been instructed, verse 25, he had been instructed or catechized in the way of the Lord. He'd been told about the promised Messiah. You might pause and think, well, why didn't every Jew get that from Scripture? Why didn't every Jew, why did so many of the Jewish people reject Jesus as Messiah? The only question I could glean from Scripture, from that answer from Scripture for that, is that there was no Holy Spirit in their lives. The Holy Spirit had not touched their hearts to give them light, to give them new life in order that they might respond appropriately. But for some reason, by his providence, by his design plan, he had opened the eyes and the mind of Apollos and given him light. So he was a Jew that knew of the coming Messiah. He was a native of Alexandria. So he's not only taught theologically, he was educated formally. Alexandria, if you'd remember your ancient history, Alexandria had a great was a great city on the southern side of the Mediterranean Sea in the north of Africa, and they had a great library. They were known as a place of education, a place of civilization, a, a wealthy city. And this is where he grew up. The Bible says that Apollos came to Ephesus, and it describes him as an eloquent man, competent in the Scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. So here we have this Jewish man who was catechized in theology. He was from Alexandria. He was educated. He was eloquent, eloquent skilled in language. It says he was competent. That word translates from a word, the same word we get dynamite from. He was powerful when he spoke. He could convince someone. It says he was fervent in spirit. He spoke in an excited way. The word there literally means his spirit boiled. I mean, he, he was enthusiastic when he talked. Spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus or the promised Messiah. However, he knew only the baptism of John. What does that mean? We go to Matthew chapter 3, when John the Baptist is baptizing on the Jordan River. He's telling the people, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John's baptism called people to cleanse themselves and repent. Baptism was a symbol of washing, cleansing. And it wasn't new to the Old Testament. It was also done in, in the New, wasn't new to the New Testament. It was also done in the Old Testament times. The apostle and John the Baptist was telling them, it's time to repent, wash yourselves, start anew, start fresh. The Messiah is coming. 
And that's all that Apollos knew about. Apollos began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Already, God in his providence and through the Holy Spirit has been working in the life of Apollos, discipling this man, preparing him for his own mission, for his own ministry. And he brings him from Alexandria to Ephesus where Priscilla and Aquila are. And these two people, this husband and wife, hear him. The catechized, educated, gifted, and powerful teacher. These two people make things more clear to him. We like what you're teaching, but here is the one you are teaching about. He has already come. He has already redeemed. He has already risen from the dead. Now, when you get someone who is trained in theology and formally educated and gifted, has the ability to speak, you usually find someone who is not only confident of themselves, they're quite proud. You can't tell me anything. But this also shows us that Apollos was humble. Because he listened to what Priscilla and Aquila had, sharing, sharing with him who the true Christ was. And once he was corrected, he wanted to go. Verse 27, when he wished to cross into Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scripture that Christ was Jesus. It almost sounds like Luke is talking about Paul again. Apollos has become quite like Paul. He's been discipled first by the Lord and then by Priscilla and Aquila, but always by the Spirit and the Word in his life. Did he just appear out of nowhere? No. He was always being prepared. You and I are always being discipled. You might not be aware of it. We hear all these things. We need to be aware of so many things in this world. We need to be aware of people's cancer. We need to be aware of people's handicap. We need to be aware of people's sicknesses. We need to be aware of people's hunger. We need to be aware of polluting the environment. We need to be aware that the Holy Spirit is always discipling you. You're not just floating down the river on a tube. He's getting, ready, getting you ready for the rapids. He's getting re you ready for the challenge, a spiritual challenge to disciple someone else, to be faithful to him. When and where were you ever discipled? When and where did it ever begin? If God is the primary discipler,
Ephesians 1 verse 4, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. He chose you to be a disciple before you had your first breath. So becoming a disciple is not an option. It is in his perfect plan for you. John 15, 16, the Lord Jesus himself talking to his disciples said, You did not choose me, but I chose you and anointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask in the Father, ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. There are a lot of people who profess faith in Christ Jesus and they're just rejoice. So glad that they chose him. And I don't mean this to be unkind or demeaning, but they are the spiritual maturity level of children. They don't quite yet understand. They are under the care of the Lord Jesus, but they are in the tube on the calm part of the river. They are being discipled. I know because I was once like that. I thought salvation had to do a lot with my work, but it is all him. Psalm 139, the psalmist wrote about the Lord, your eyes saw my unformed substance in, in your book. It was written before any day was ever recorded. Your discipleship begins with God, and you may not even be aware of it. But you are being discipled. And one day in God's providence, he decides you're ready. And it begins to produce fruit in your life or helps you produce fruit in your life. Should we make disciples? We certainly should. Your life as a Christian may be or may have been easy and peaceful, but around the bend there may be some rabbits to negotiate. You're always being challenged. You're always being refined. You're always being strengthened. You're always being prepared. Are you ready? Are you faithful in worship? I'm not just talking about daily, weekly coming here for worship together as a congregation. Are there times when you get alone with the Lord and with his word, personal, private, what most people call devotions? Do you spend time with him? You're being discipled. Are you faithful in study? Do you read things about scripture in order that you might gain understanding? that you might gain more insight into his word then you are being discipled do you share whatever you are you've learned and you share it with others do you talk about it with others 
you are being discipled. You realize what you have been given in Jesus. Are you aware of what you've been given? As we prepared, as we began worship this morning, I read to you from Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. The kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So he also who had two talents, two talents more. Does it sound familiar? Our Lord Jesus has given each and every one of us a call, a challenge, to take his word and share it. A lot of preachers and teachers have taught this, your gifts, your abilities, and I cannot deny it. There's good, legitimate ac application for that. But what if it just boils down to your basic faith and trust in him to grow, to strengthen, to improve? What have you done with your Christian faith? How obedient have you been? I know we all have struggles. I know we all stumble. But you as a believer should... It's okay to disciple yourself. It's okay to understand Scripture. Let God disciple you. And then share that with others. I thought we were saved by faith. Yes, we are. But James 2:17 says faith by itself. Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action is dead. Are you aware of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God in your life? You don't have to feel the goosebumps and the jitters and the buzzing to know that's the Holy Spirit. You just need to trust God's word that he is there. You need to be aware that he is discipling you. Go to his word regularly and feed on it. Are you humble enough to be discipled by the Lord? Are you humble enough to be discipled by a Christian brother or sister? Please notice that Luke said Priscilla and Aquila, wife and husband, discipled Apollos. So discipling is one of the responsibilities of Christian women. Are you able to disciple another? Do you disciple your children? 
you know what to do if God ever presented your life with a challenge? John MacArthur has a couple of comments about that. I, I did not remind you of that third servant, the one who was given one talent and did nothing with it. John MacArthur wrote, This slave does not represent an atheist or even an agnostic because it recognized, he recognized the master as his legitimate owner and no doubt made a pretense of honoring the master while he was away. He didn't misuse his talent in immoral and selfish pursuits like the prodigal son. He didn't embezzle it like the unmerciful servant of Matthew 18. He simply disregarded the stewardship he had been given. He neglected it. The slave represents a professing Christian whose limited knowledge of God leads him to conclude that God is distant, uncaring, unjust, and undependable. Instead of judging themselves in the light of God's inerrant word, such people judge God in light of their own perverted perceptions. They not only justify themselves, but do so at God's expense. If you aren't growing in the Lord, if you aren't recognizing God's spirit working in your life, then you are, may I suggest that you may be at a great risk of chastening from the Lord. You may there may be a spanking waiting. God has loved you so that he has given you his son, redeemed you with his blood, given you victory over the grave through his resurrection, and has called you to share that same message with others around you. To disregard that is to dishonor the name of God and hold him in contempt. Yes, we do live by faith, but that faith must also be active. It must be visible. We must be ones who are discipled, and we must be ones who are discipling. We see this lesson from, the, from Apollos, who's very influential in the early years of the church. Paul mentions him again in a letter to the church at Corinth. And Luke's included him in order that we might learn something from him. God is the principal discipler. Shall we pray? Our Lord in heaven, we are thankful that you have given us your son. We're thankful that you have given us your spirit. And we know that your presence is always with us. Let us not disregard your power and your teaching. Let us not disregard or neglect your wisdom and your truth. 
but let us love you faithfully. Lord, may the may your word mold and make us into a Christ-likeness that reflects his love and beauty to others. Lord Jesus, disciple each and every one of us. In the name of our Savior, we pray. Amen.